0: It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast. Presented by Locked On Podcast Network. Talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M, and today we're gonna dive a little bit deeper into some new NCAA rules, speaking about players possibly getting paid and what this could do to the sport, especially in a conference like the SEC. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. That is my name. Do not forget the mister. I am the host of this show, and I love personal feedback. Any single time, you can give me something to work with, something you like, something you hate, something you think that I need to work on, or you just want to give me a praise. I love positive and negative criticism. It only will make me better. So make sure you're following us there, and also at LockedOnAggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things Texas A&M related content surrounding everything going on in College Station, part of LOPN. So make sure you follow us at Locked on Aggies and at Mr. Cole Thompson. Before we start diving into the new NCAA rules, Billy Gillespie, former Texas A&M coach, has a chance to potentially regain some of his knowledge and regain some respect in the NCAA this upcoming season as he will become the head coach at Tarleton State. But more importantly, he'll be making his long awaited return to Reed Arena at some point this year as the former AM head coach is set to Take Tarleton as part of the 2020-2021 non-conference schedule, according to a report by CBS Basketball Insider John Rothstein. After squaring off in a few close friends this past season, this matchup will be again a meaningful one for Buzz Williams, who spent two years as an assistant coach and recruiting coordinator under Gillespie in 2004 and 2005, and 2005 and 2006, while the Aggies became one of the better teams in the Big 12. Gillespie, while at A&M, tallied a 70-26 record for three seasons before being hired at Kentucky, where he was fired after two seasons with the Wildcats missed the NCAA tournament for the first time in 17 17- years. Before Gillespie became the juggernaut of College Station, the Aggies finished 7-21 the year prior. He led them to a 21-10 record during the 2004-05 season, making an NIT appearance. The 14-game turnaround was the greatest improvement in the nation, making Gillespie the first head coach to lead the nation's most improved team back-to-back years after doing the same and taking UTEP, University of Texas El Paso, to the NCAA tournament the year before. After A&M had not experienced tournament play in over a decade, Gillespie led the team back-to-back seasons to the NCAA tournament, upsetting Syracuse as a 12 seed in 2006 before falling to LSU in heartbreaking fashion and also again in 2007. The Aggies returned that year, this time facing the number three, um, as a number three seed and they took down both Penn State and Louisville before falling to Memphis once again by one point. Those two tournament runs were the first two of six appearances for the Aggies overall following this next coming season under Mark. There was a lot of controversy when Gillespie was hired by Tarleton State. Since leaving College Station, he's also had his familiar share of struggles, Five months after being let go by Kentucky, he was arrested for a DUI and has dealt with allegations of mistreatment of players, coaches, and medias over the years. In his lone season after being with the Wildcats, he went to Texas Tech. The Raiders went 1-17 and during Big 12 play in 2011 and 2012. The former A&M coach has spent the past few seasons at Ranger College and this year will take over as the Cowboys' new head coach in their first start of division play, they will join the Division One ranks starting July 1st. The Texans will be in regular season competition in the WAC Conference, the Western Athletic Conference, next season, but will not be able for Division One postseason play until 2024-2025. That basically means that for the next four years, Tarleton State could go undefeated in play. They could be the number one team in America, but until the 2024 season, they cannot go to the NCAA tournament. They would have to go to a lesser tournament, maybe the NIT, but they would not be able to go to the big dance. When you look at what Gillespie has done, he's an above average coach who has some off the field troubles, but production actually works in his favor. For his career, he finishes with a 148 108 record in eight seasons as a Division I head coach. It, it makes a lot of sense. And Gillespie's always going to have, I think, a little bit of nostalgia when going to AM, unlike Texas Tech, unlike Kentucky for sure. Definitely he'll have some at UTEP, but AM is where Billy Gillespie became Billy Gillespie. And Kentucky has always been a predominant program in basketball. For you to be asked to go coach at Kentucky is like being asked to replace Nick Saban at Alabama. It's an institution known for winning. Outside of John Calipari and Nick Saban, the only job that I think is more coveted right now for the next head coach, and also the scariest job to take, in America, is Duke after Mike Krzyzewski. What Coach K has done for the Blue Devils, you can throw Roy Williams, I think, in the conversation, but I definitely think Coach K wins it. What he's done for the Blue Devils, whoever takes over, it's a lot like Mac Brown at Texas. You are destined to fail. Charlie Strong was destined to fail. Billy Gillespie... I think actually a lot of people thought he was going to be able to fix the problem. He was going to be able to keep the team afloat. Instead, he gets fired after two years. Calipari comes in after, you know, winning away at Memphis. End of story. We've seen what Kentucky's done, we've seen how well they've been. A&M is also set to play in the Battle for Atlantis, which will take place on Paradise Island in the Bahamas from November 25th to November 27th. Of course, last season, the AM went 16-14 under the first year of Williams and was one of the best storylines down the stretch for the SEC, finishing with a 10-8 record with a pair of close wins to end the year against Bruce Pearl's Auburn and Eric Musselman's Arkansas team while they all might play on one single team it won't be shocking to see one single player start making money off their personality and likability when we come back we will be discussing the new rules that are going to be set in place for players to start making money and how that will impact on the recruiting and the national championship chase we'll be discussing that in just a Howdy everybody, it's Cole Thompson from Locked on Aggies and much like you I'm trying to stay in shape during this quarantine without going to the gym but part of staying in shape is by having the right nutrients added to your body. And I think I've recently found something that really is not only great tasting, but great for me. And that's in Built Bars. Built Bars are more than just a tasty treat. They are a protein-packed power bar that keep you going throughout the days. And they come in 16 amazing flavors, all covered in 100% real chocolate, plus they're soft and easy to chew. Bilt Bar is great for the health conscious guy because it helps you lose and maintain your weight while also having a delicious flavor added to your mouth. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high in protein. Let me give you my favorite example for the peanut butter brownie. comes with 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, and 3 grams of net carbs. 3 grams of sugar! You're not going to be able to find that anywhere else. Why don't you go ahead and try your favorite bar by going to builtbar.com and using the promo code locked on to get $10 off your first order? Remember, that promo code is locked on for $10 off builtbar.com. So go ahead and try your favorite built bar today. Not only will you be building muscle, you'll be building confidence in yourself to look better when it comes time for summer season. Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me get your opinion on something. Do you like quality podcasts with people who know exactly what they're talking about in your favorite sports market? If so, why not listen to a Locked On Podcast podcast? There's over two dozen college sports shows, plus we have a ton of talent at the NFL, MLB, NBA. NHL, and all the top-level information to get you ready for fantasy sports whenever a sports returns. It's really simple. Subscribe to us on iTunes, download us on Spotify, or just go visit us at LockedOnPodcast.com. If you have a second favorite team, kind of like my second favorite team is the Pittsburgh Steelers, just like AM, number one team, you probably have your second podcast to listen to. So go ahead and start listening to as many Locked On Podcast podcasts. One of the biggest arguments we continue to hear around the NCAA, just as a whole, is should players be able to make money at the collegiate level? Now, there are some people who have different views than others. Some people say, well, you're getting the free education, it doesn't that count as money because if you're not paying for school when other students are. At the same time, you can make the same argument that they're not really paying for school when football or baseball or basketball or whatever sport they play kind of is a profession and on top of that they're getting an education so according to a recent study by the ncaa's top governing body uh they now said that they will support a proposal that will allow college athletes to sign endorsement contracts and receive payments for other work, provided that the schools they attend are not involved with any payment. A working group assembled to evaluate potential ways to modernize the NCAA rules about athletes making money and their names, images, and likenesses presented its recommendations to the Board of Governors during its annual April meeting on Tuesday afternoon earlier this week. The recommendations included significant changes to the current restrictions while allowing room for the NCAA and schools to regulate the types of deals Athletes might be allowed to sign in the future and in the monetary value of individual contracts. Allowing promotions and third-party endorsements is uncharted waters, board chairperson Michael Drake said in an early release Wednesday morning. The NCAA's news release said athletes will be allowed to appear in advertisements and can refer to their sport and school, but not use the school's logos or branding. So, the real question is, what does this all mean? What is allowed and what isn't allowed? Well, according to Tuesday's proposed changes, open doors for athletes to sign endorsement deals with a wide variety of third-party companions. That changes would also make it possible for athletes to monetize their social media channels, profit from writing a book, making a music album, hosting a sports camp, starting a business, among other potential opportunities. Athletes would be allowed to mention their status as collegiate athletes at the school they're attending in advertisement. So basically put, say Kellen Mond wanted to release an album called Mond Magic. He was really into EDM music and he was really into, you know, that type of style. And he wants to be a DJ if football doesn't work out. Now what could happen is he could make money off of that album. Where in the past, NCAA players would not be able to make money because they represented by the school. And if he was to throw in something like a line, you know... I'm headed to the top, I'm number one in the nation, and you can give it all up to me, shout out College Station. Something along the lines of that, or something along the lines of the 12th man, or something along the lines of any one of those kinds of things, he would not be fine, and the NCAA would not be able to force the school to get in trouble for him doing that. Say a player, I don't know, say Jamon Osmond is tears his ACL and has to have his leg partially amputated. If he were to write a book and he still stayed in school and he graduated with a master's degree because the school was paying for it, he would not have to be fined and hire a ghost writer to do it. And he would be able to actually earn some of that money. Let's say Braden Mann before he was a New York jet. This was a guy who was the reigning Ray guy award winner. And in today's society, if you want to be a punter, you're going to need to practice. It's not just, hey, one day I'm going to wake up and go outside and I can punt a football. I'm going to make you become a Division one athlete. There's a lot that goes into it. Hang time, precision, where you're placing the ball, how you're aiming, what style you should kick at, should you get a running start, are you going to be a plant place kicker, all of those things. and Man could actually devise a camp and allow kickers from across the nation to come in and learn from his expertise. Now, the proposed changes do not allow the schools to pay the athletes directly or to provide any assistance to the athletes in setting up the endorsements. Athletes would not be allowed to use any school brand markets in advertising or wear clothing with school logos. The NCAA would also consider regulations that prohibits athletes from promoting products that don't line up with the NCAA's values, such as gambling, websites, banned substances. Individual schools would also be able to make a list of things that they don't see in in their values that would allow the athletes to endorse. So simple. Um, say Demon Demas, who is a rising star and could become the number one wide receiver in the nation, a future first round draft pick and all that, wants to get sponsored by Gatorade. Gatorade could sponsor him. He could go be sponsored by that company, but he couldn't wear AM colors in that, and he couldn't wear AM's logo in that. Say someone like Haynes King. Wants to be sponsored by Skechers. Maybe he likes the way Skechers, sh- sh- you know, Soulsfield. He could not wear maroon and white Skechers, and they could not have an AM logo on it. And also, he couldn't throw up a gigam sign. Those are things that now you're talking about. And also, on top of all of that, this could play a major role in recruiting because of it's already said the NCAA will not allow you to work with gambling websites, so you can't use DraftKings, you can't use uh, FanDuel, you can't use any of that, and you also can't use banned substances. So it's not like you can go, hey, weed, hey, yeah, who wants to do it? You can't do that because the NCAA still is against it because of the you know the national government is still against it, but. A school can also tell you, if you want to come to our school, these are brands that cannot sponsor you. These are things you cannot do. So say someone like Texas Tech, who is sponsored by Under Armour, has an athlete who wants to go be sponsored by Nike. They could say no. If you come to our school, if Nike calls you, you must tell them no. Say someone like A&M. They're sponsored by Adidas right now. If Kellen Mine gets an offer to go be sponsored by Under Armour. They could say, no, we are an Adidas brand and you are the face of our team. We will not allow you to be sponsored by this company and so on and so forth. Vice versa, going back and forth on how this could be done. Every NCAA team has the right to tell a player who they can and cannot sponsor. And sometimes that will play into a team's favor. I know for a fact, Alabama, they're big with Nike. If Nick Saban says, hey, we're big with Nike, but if Jerry Judy, who just went to the NFL, all right, I'll use a different one, Devonta Smith. If Devonta Smith wants to be sponsored by Under Armour and I don't see a problem with it, he can. And that could help with recruiting down the line. Or you could say, we are a Powerade-based company. We will not let you work with Gatorade. Okay, you lost a recruit that way. Every single university and every single institution has their own set of rules that they could make that will allow athletes to decide maybe better on where they want to go. And if you are a team who is kind of the middle of the pack, say like an Arizona State in the Pac-12 or Mississippi State in the SEC for that matter, Mississippi State's a good school. They're a really fun school and they're a really fun town to go to. Starkville's very awesome. I've enjoyed every single time I've gone there. If Mike Leach says, oh, you know, I don't really care if you want to be sponsored by a tiger or you know, you want to be sponsored by a bear, you know, they're all just going to attack each other because that's just the chain link of America. I mean, if you want to do that, maybe that helps Mississippi State win a national title while LSU, AM, and all of them are being held back. This could play a massive role into recruiting down the line that officially makes this easier for players. To kind of help build dynasties. If we're really thinking about it. Or you could start watching one player. Become the face of an entire brand. While also representing the school. But as long as he's not wearing the school colors. Or the school logo. The school's okay with it. There's a few other things that are going on around with the NCAA. Of how these players and what they could and can and cannot do. And we'll be breaking down those in just a quick moment. Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies for all your up-to-date information of everything going on around the 12th man. As mentioned earlier of the day, the NCAA is working out ways for college athletes to be endorsed by their likeness, endorsed by a company, endorsed by all this thing, and there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered. So let's just go to the next one. Can college athletes hire agents? Athletes would be allowed to hire agents and other professionals, accountants, for example, to help them with their business opportunities. These specifics about how athletes can hire these type of advertisers and what advertisers will be allowed have still been yet to be reter- uh, determined. NFL agent Lean Steinberg, who has been an agent for up to 40 years, also in the movie Jerry Maguire, is actually based on something that happened to him. So y- you know that he knows a lot about sports believes this potential rule change will only move up the calendar for when agents can begin contacting athletes. Steinberg believes his agent selection process could begin as soon as high school. You look at who the beneficiaries are and and one-and-done basketball players, by the time those kids get any brand, they're already in the pros. This will be a primary impact for quarterbacks or major superstars. You could think of Johnny Manziel or Tua Tango or Jameis Winston, players who early in their careers established a brand. So basically, what Steinberg's saying, and I actually know Lee, so there's a very good shot. I can probably even try and get him on the show sometime very soon to discuss this. I look at what's going on. A guy like Johnny Manziel, who within 12 months of being on in College Station was already the most famous person in the city, possibly the most famous person in Texas, and without a doubt was the most well-known college football player. Maybe if he would have had an agent or an advisor telling him what he could and couldn't do and he would have been able to pick up endorsements at that time, he would have possibly been even better off than he you know, was. Don't get me wrong. Johnny Manziel came from a very wealthy family, and he has money saved away, and he earned a lot of his money playing football. He did. I'll give him that. But imagine if he would have had the chance to stay in school while earning a profit. Maybe that would have helped with his progression at quarterback. Maybe that would have helped with him becoming a more stable guy in the NFL. Maybe that would have helped with him becoming the next big name instead of the next big time bust. We don't know any of that because of this wasn't possible back in 2014 when he was drafted out of College Station. But again, this is something I look at. And when you are able to build a profit off of your likability, maybe that keeps you in school longer. What Steinberg's saying, of course, though, is there's now people declaring for the G League or going that path instead of going to college. There are some kids who just don't want to go to school anymore either, so they'll prefer the G League over any college simply for the fact that they don't have to focus on schoolwork, but for the ones on the fence, this could help. So again... There's kids now no longer deciding college is the right option, they're just going to go pro immediately and just go play in the G League and hopefully get drafted or picked up by an NBA team sooner rather than later. Steinberg believes that this is in the best interest of the agents to establish that relationship early on. So again, another big thing what this means is when you have them as your agent, they will also be your agent probably when you get drafted. So say Johnny Manziel had his agent when he was 18 years old and then he stayed in College Station for all four years. He would have had a guy who knows people around the NFL, who knows people around the league, who knows endorsers... He would have been able to build a profit for himself off of his own likeness at the time. He could have trademarked Money Manziel like he wanted to. He could have done everything he needed to. And then by the time he got to the NFL, his agent, who was his agent for two years when he was with the Cleveland Browns, would have already been working with him. He would have probably been able to help him with those minor flaws. And Manziel could have been a completely different person and inside the NFL today. Steinberg anticipates potential issues for Asians, athletes, and universities when mutually beneficial opportunities converge. One of those big sources of marketing would come from companies looking to appeal an alumni base or demographic that fits a specific player's market. Ohio State, Texas, Notre Dame, USC, Michigan, and Alabama, these schools have massive alumni following. And given their chance, had Vince Young won a national championship in a year earlier... Texas alums would have bought everything and anything with his name on it. That's a shared interest in cultivating that alumni group in the same way that golf should never be on TV this much. But because corporate executives love to play golf, they endorse lots of golfers. This will be a delicate relationship between player, agent, and university if a player does in fact sign with an agent early on in his career to help with his markability. Basically, when schools get involved, and the problem comes up, like, let, let's look at it this way for a second. When Alabama won the national championship, because Tua threw a 54-yard touchdown pass to Devonta Smith, there's companies in China that make fake jerseys. And they you're able to get a Tua lower jersey at number 13. You're able to get a Devonta Smith jersey. Once the school gets in on that, there's going to be a problem Because of while the player would be able to get money off their marketability because of their names on the jersey, the NCAA still technically could say, no, you don't get that. That belongs technically to us. And that's where some of the problems lie couple other things just real fast we can go through before we get on out of here. Does this mean that the NCAA football video game is coming back? Unfortunately, no. Typically, these rights at that, that video game makers need to create sports are negotiated through a group licensing process where athletes organize into a collective group and split the money that the video game companies pays them well. At the professional level, player unions provide an easy way to organize and negotiate group licenses. Past attempts to unionize college football players have failed. Some advocacy groups such as the NCPA have published suggestions on how athletes could organize this group licensing opportunities. But NCAA leaders have consistently said they do not think it would be possible The working group's resort would be too many legal hurdles that deemed an unrealistic option for inflammation, but the report left little room for hope. The group did recommend that the NCAA continue to explore whatever legal hurdles that can be overcome in the future, so it could be uh, revisited in 2021 or later on. Long story short, enjoy NCAA 14. That's the last time you're probably ever going to get to play it as of right now. And that's a really big shame because of who doesn't love playing NCAA football. Literally, I still play it. I still have my final copy and I've downloaded it every single time I can to my next outlet. So that way I can continue to play it. That's how much I love that program. But that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. And while you're at it, why not listen to one of our great other shows surrounding our conferences, including Locked on SEC, Locked on ACC, Locked on Big Ten, and Locked on Big 12. Tomorrow, we will be breaking down if college players should be paid. There's a new study going around that college players are going to be able to start making some money off their likeness. How will this affect with a and We'll see you tomorrow. This has been Lot On Aggies, presented by the Lot On Podcast Network.